0: This ain't a goddamn field trip, people. This is a fucking war! I'm not down in this cave for my health. I'm down here on orders. Your orders are to facilitate the job of this scientific team. This is a civilian team, Captain, and we don't have to be subjected to your tyranny. Who's being subjected to what, Fisher? You've lost one man. Yeah,
1: right. We've lost five. Where does it say we got to keep those dumb fucks next door to where we sleep? Where
0: does it say we should do any one thing but shoot the mothers in the head? We don't have enough ammunition, Captain, to shoot them all in the head. Time to have
2: done
3: that would have been at the beginning. No, they let them overrun us. They have overrun us, you know. We're in the minority now. Something like 400,000 to 1, by my calculations.
1: I haven't eaten. Is there food? You were supposed to be here at 7 o'clock sharp, mister.
3: I know. Sarah told me. I'm sorry I couldn't break away. Is there food?
1: Listen, egghead. Let me bring you up to date on what's been... Let me... Excuse me! me.
3: Is there food?
1: I'm running this monkey farm now, Frankenstein! And I want to know what the fuck you're doing with my time!
2: You are listening to TMB DOS, They Must Be Destroyed On site. The following podcast may contain adult language and discussions of an adult nature. Spoilers for the films discussed occur often. You have been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They
1: must be destroyed on site!
2: It is They Must Be Destroyed On Site, episode 200. We've gotten that fucking far. And, yeah, we still haven't made any money on this shit. Uh, I'm your host, Lee. <laughs>
4: was that the goal? I I wasn't aware that was the goal. Well, I was if expecting, that was the goal, we failed a long time ago. <laughs> well,
2: I was expecting to be a millionaire by now. I don't...
4: Oh, well, you
2: know. I mean, I I, I saw I saw uh, Mark Maron, and I was like... Well, if he can do this shit, I can do
4: this shit. And that was my yeah. goal. Yeah. Unfortunately, instead of uh, telling uh, really amusing anecdotes about the history of comedy uh, with, like, the top comedians in the world, uh, you invited me. And uh, that was really your fundamental mistake.
2: I should have did a better business plan, I think. I, I fucked up on that. <laughs> but anyway, um, I'm Lee, acting on Instinct Russell, uh, joined by my co-host Daniel. Civility must be rewarded. Harper, how are you doing, sir?
4: I'm uh, not feeling very simple right now, but uh, we can we can move past that. It's fine.
2: Okay. Okay. And returning to the podcast, the original innovator of social distancing, apparently, Paul, choke on him, Romali. How are you doing, sir?
1: Pretty good. You made me look like an asshole out there. <laughs> Pretty
2: good. Pretty good. And uh, we have a special guest, uh, a man who is... We've been trying to get on the fucking podcast for the longest time. It's probably like five years in the making trying to get this shit done. I've been on a couple of uh, episodes of one of his podcasts, as he has many. Uh, but this is Ricky, biggest piece of meat in the cave. Morgan, how you doing, sir?
3: Man, this is uh, fantastic. It's, it's one of those milestones, right? So for you folks that can't see, I'm sitting here clutching my Anchor Bay copy of... Day of the Dead, and it does say choke on them from Joe Pilato on there. So, yeah, I'm excited about this. Not only being on the show, not only being the 200th episode, not only are we talking about some Romero, I mean, you know, besides me sitting here naked, stroking it, I don't know that it can get any better. I mean, I'm stopping you. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) well, turn your camera back on, you'll see. Yeah,
2: so we're talking about. Day of the Dead. We've got a bunch of comments to go through here first, and uh, so we'll just get right into them. We have a YouTube comment to start with, because, you know. <laughs> Can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah. So on our uh, episode 114, which was Radioactive Dreams and Cherry 2000, someone called the Black Knight says, garbage.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and I said, in response, thank you, fuck you, bye. Because you know, I assume they went away; they they weren't going to come back. And then they reiterate garbage, but this time with an
4: exclamation point—oh, even more emphatic. Hmm. We and to then make they go, on, point.
2: yeah, yeah. Then they go on to say, "Hey Lee, I don't know why you're so upset. The video is clickbait. I would not have said these words otherwise. I'm a man like you are, so please don't curse me. Have a good one, and wish you well." <laughs> I that just love the clickbait. YouTube. <laughs> that's the thing. Well, that's one of the accusations we get all the time that our our video versions of our podcast are clickbait for some reason because people are too stupid to know they're not actually the movies.
1: Oh, because they always think it's just going to be the movie and not the podcast, right? Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I responded, and I mean, I just put this out there for anyone you know, whoever listens on YouTube to this episode and is thinking of you know throwing one of those clickbait responses at us. Uh, I'm not upset at all. I'm amused that you're too stupid to know the difference between a podcast and an actual movie and then had to complain about it. Calling this clickbait implies I'm trying to trick people into thinking this video is something it is not, which is stupid beyond belief. To what end? Why would I trick people into clicking a video I cannot make money off of anyway? You tell me to not talk to you like I have because you are a man? Fuck you. Where do you get off accusing me of trying to scam people? And that's pretty much my Where do you accuse me of being a man? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> they did that they did that too uh yeah you know and uh yeah yeah we can move on from that unpleasantness to uh actually some nice comments from people so uh first off uh on twitter our friend jack graham said congratulations guys thank you uh jack an acquaintance of mine a, a fellow podcaster who does does a old school wrestling podcast uh mike mills uh says uh Congrats on 200. Thank you, Mike. Our mutual friend Greg Belosky commented on Facebook saying congrats on 200. Mixed feelings on this movie. Love the gore and overall dark theme that we are losing. Hate that this movie started the the whole smart zombie trend that Romero continued to follow in future films. Also, there is no nudity.
1: Yeah, what the fuck?
2: (laughs) Moving on, uh, Darren Wilson from uh, the Psychosomatic podcast, or
1: yeah.
2: he's calling it these days. Um, Hell fucking yeah, guys! I never know what to say. Thanks for the hours of fun and cinematic indulgence. Well, thank yeah. you, sir. Listening.
3: Darren's a cool dude. He's he's a legionnaire as well. He's on the same network and yep. just a awesome dude, man.
2: Yeah, really nice guy. And. Here, here, here's a surprise one. Uh, that that Mike Murphy guy. Do you remember that Mike Murphy guy he used to do podcasts?
4: Uh, I think he used to do two podcasts, but he deletes them so that the archives don't exist anymore. So he's dead to me,
3: Mike Murphy.
2: <laughs> uh, but Mike Murphy says, "Damn, congratulations on the big two hundred, guys." Dad says hello, which of course is the Zodiac killer.
4: <laughs> yes, that's a deep cut. That's a deep cut. But uh, yeah. A lot, a lot.
2: Yeah, I can't wait for the uh, third iteration of BBNBC there, Mike, Uh, even though you protest and say you're not going to do it. (laughs) Like, who are you fucking kidding? Um, But yeah, uh, Ricky, since you are a guest on the show and it's your first time on the show, you have the honor of playing the movie God
1: game. Are you a god? When someone asks you if you're a god... Yes. Now,
2: if you're not familiar with the rules, what I do is I give you two things that you have to choose from, either two actors, two directors, two movies, maybe two composers for movies, Uh, either one, and you're the movie god, and you must make the decision to destroy one of these things. They never existed. So basically what you have to do is take in consideration all the work these people are associated with, perhaps all the work they've created, and that's never existed. And so
1: Flash what's Dance. What's that?
2: <laughs> what did you
3: say? Final answer. I don't know if I can live without Flash Dance. Final answer. <laughs> Go ahead, I'm just answering.
2: Uh yeah, so this is supposed to be an uncomfortable uh, game. It's supposed to be a hard decision. But uh, Ricky Morgan, I'm going to pose the question to you. You are the movie god, sir. And you must strike down one of these two actors. And they never existed. And all the work they're associated with was probably changed very considerably. You must destroy either Max von Sydow or Brian Blessed.
3: Oh my god! <laughs> Damn you! <laughs> uh, you know, you, it's got to be Brian Blessed. I mean, you can't, what? you can't take Max inside out of out of all of his work
2: that easy, huh? you just got to wipe him out. Yeah.
3: Damn, yeah. I, I, I oh.
2: got you with this. Uh, if, Max if people been been were dead, him. if it was me, what did you say,
1: Paul? Max would have been dead if it was me. Really. Yeah, I don't know, I can't man. Blackadder,
2: Blackadder's pretty awesome. Yeah, the, the, the thing was, I was thinking, like, uh, you know, um, I know what
3: you're
1: thinking.
2: That's <laughs> yes, the Hail Ming Power out Um, I was thinking, <laughs> man, I'm I'm gonna make him no no, no
3: Voltan here. or no Ming, right?
2: Yeah, yeah I got gotcha. you. Mm. <laughs> wow. Well, um, he but... was
1: right to the point, though. It was that was death immediate. That was that was quick. <laughs>
2: Very Ming-like, actually, you know, when you when you think about it, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah like, I just
3: I think about the impact of a lot of Sid al's work, the way that it's built up. And Blessed's no joke either, don't get me wrong. But I just think the overall impact in the movie world, you've got to go with Maximum Cedow.
2: Yeah, um, I, I can't disagree. Uh, and I applaud you on your swift and cruel death of uh, Brian Blessed. Uh, <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. Well, be with him.
0: <laughs> Gordon's alive.
3: Maybe that's the problem is the boss nas thing from episode one. So that kind of made me say, Yeah, I can I can drop blessed there.
4: All right. All right. Yeah, the thing with Brian Blessed is he ends up marrying Perry and uh, Doctor Who, and that's the uh you know, that's that's really the peak of his his life, honestly, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right.
2: Okay, folks, just cutting in here really quick before we go to the break. Um, I got a audio message from uh, my good friend Gary Hill of Cinema Beef Podcast. I spent literally a half hour testing things out to get this to work in Skype. And once I achieved it, I totally forgot about it once we got into the recording and failed to actually bother playing the bloody recording for everyone else to hear in Skype. And I apologize for fucking that up, but I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you'll also notice that uh, Skype was not kind to my microphone, and I had to do a lot of editing just to get the distortion down to an acceptable level, so I'm just a moron, but anyway, Gary Hill sent this really nice message, and we're going to jump over to that, thank you very much, Gary, and uh, check out his podcasts, he's great, Legion Podcasts, you'll find Cinema Beef, you'll find all this other stuff, cheers.
0: Hello. Uh, they must be destroyed on site podcast. This is uh, your friend, well, hopefully your friend, uh, Gary Hill, sitting here in the nude, thinking about Nazis and Daniel at the same time. God, that sounds sexy put together, man. I'm going to tell you right now. Mm. Um, No, I'm, I, I kid or am I? You, you don't know if I am or not. That's the magic of wonder of podcasting. We could podcast in the nude listeners. You don't you don't know these things. This is a trade secret. But um Ah, uh, that's enough of that though. We're here to celebrate uh they must be destroyed on site's two hundredth episode ever. Well, what a wonderful achievement that is. An achievement that I at Sydney Podcast have not met yet. But um inching my way closer to that and uh yeah, but it is it is quite the achievement to be sticking around this long. Doing all kinds of flicks that nor- I would normally, some of which I would normally not watch, but you know, that's the the wonder and magic of podcasting is that you can turn on to things like the silent films you guys have been doing and random sex comedies that you may have never heard of, and that's um, that's all fine. It's all fine. You guys give them equal love, and that, that's a uh, that's hard to do with some of these flicks, but um. <laughs> But um, yeah, I'm just here, and I'm, I'm I'm rambling, of course, and to 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 say happy 200th, and you guys are picking a real winner to do for your 200th. Um, Day of the Dead is is always awesome. I mean, you got Bub, you got uh, Richard Liberty as Dr. Frankenstein, you got of course the great Joe Joe pa- Pilato, uh late great Joe Pilato as Captain Rhodes always always grinning always yelling love it so much my favorite of the series <clears throat> so here we are once again to say thanks again and uh, thanks to your your odd uh, DJ burning up burn up those tracks on the, the blood of the tracks uh, episodes it's um always a joy to hear those too, but uh keep on keeping on and keep on trucking and keep on all that good stuff and congratulations once again and uh don't worry Daniel you know I've been on your show Lee's been on my show but you're still not welcome nah I'm playing Daniel come out if he wants to but he has to podcast nude like the rest of us you know Dong's out much love Gary
3: you ungodly warlock
0: Glytus
2: I'm bored what plaything can you offer me today
3: An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. (laughs) Most effective, Your Majesty. Will you destroy this Earth? Destroy it utterly. Send
4: Rick and Danny in Wool Rocket Ajax.
3: So, just destroy it. That's what Ming said. Don't you ever listen? Well, there's no arguing with Ming. Hell, Ming. Ming. Wait, you see those transmissions on the visua screen? Crow? Nightmare on Elm Street? Chud two? Black Belt Jones? Nightbreed? What's a critter? Oh, I've seen those things. Flash i guess we could wait a while before the destruction yeah and watch the movies and talk about them the Ming power disobedience to ming for now you can find us at legion podcast you can find us on facebook itunes we're on twitter we're on instagram at ww you know what just Google it for yourself. Just Google it, you bestiges. Humming. Hey, Breaking Two? Electric Boogaloo? Samurai Cop? Army of Darkness? Flash Dance? <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> we might destroy the planet if it's Flash Dance. <laughs>
2: And movies. The world is full of them. From low budget crap fests to downright unwatchable. And only two men are willing to watch them all. So climb in and take your seat. This is Short Bus
1: Cinema.
3: Let's do it hey everyone this is johnny krug from kruger nation and this is rick morgan from the helming power hour we have decided to team up and take you where no one has gone before we're on a quest to find the world's worst movie and we're doing it on the bus driving
0: through cult classics in every genre to find the holy grail of bad movies
3: so if you're looking for something different and more fun than you can stand then climb on in short bus cinema is a proud member of legion podcasts that's right yo short
2: bus cinema we'd love to watch the movies you hate
3: you ungodly warlock
2: Day of the Dead from 1985.
3: First, he created the most frightening film ever made. Then, he took his unique vision of terror one step further. Now, George A. Romero takes us out of the night, beyond the dawn and into the
1: darkest day of horror the world has ever known. Day
3: of the Dead. George A. Romero's Day of the Dead. The most eagerly awaited day in horror film history.
2: Directed and written by George A. Romero. Starring uh, Laurie Cadille as Sarah. Terry Alexander as John. Joseph Pilato as roads gelrath J- conroy is mcdermott anthony de leo jr is miguel richard liberty as logan german howard as bub gary howard Clark as steel ralph marario as rickles and john amplis as tid fisher and we do have a synopsis here from imdb it's not a great one <laughs> the dead have conquered uh, earth leaving just small groups of people out of their uh, clutches one group made up of both scientific and military personnel hiding in a bunker somewhere in Florida tries to get in contact with other survivors of the zombie infestation, but find themselves quite alone in this new world. Desperately searching for a cure and therefore indulging in strange experiments to overcome the strange transformation in the zombies, the scientists lose the faith of the military resulting in a death while the zombies take over the facility, only common sense can save them now from the Snoke, and I think you failed the Snoke. I think that's well, kind. Of, I, I feel like the Snoke might be 13 years old. I, <laughs> anyone else have any thoughts on that synopsis? <laughs> it no, was that's... certainly
4: words. It was certainly words. Yeah.
2: There, there was. I, I can. I can actually attest to the fact that it is a paragraph of proper sentences, but uh, that's about it. Yeah. yeah. We'll just get into this, and uh, since uh, Ricky Morgan is our guest, we will start with him, and uh, just give your sort of general thoughts on the film, Ricky.
3: This is one that, of course, you know, with the release date of this one versus the the other parts of the trilogy, you kind of waited around for this one. Uh, I was already a Romero fan, working into you know the movies that led up to this with the contract he had, and and one of the three had to be a. A zombie flick right or the, mm-hmm. the the follow-up for these so to me when this is all said and done this is the uh just the benchmark of what we've considered a zombie movie from this point on it, it was the new standard of the way the zombies looked it was the new standard of well everything to me that everybody reflects on being fans of walking dead you just want to say well congratulations You just won yourself the right to say, hey, Romero made some really great movies, and you're just repeating the same ideas that came out of this flick. I mean, really, that's that's what it is. None of the other movies capture the the claustrophobic feel that this one does and the fact of we think that we're in control of – even if it's a few people in a room, we think we're in control. But you find out in the end you're absolutely in control of nothing, and I think that's really – the meats, meat and potatoes of this flick. You, you you take the zombies out and make it just a catastrophe film of any kind, and this one to me just says it all. It really brings out the ugliness in people. I think it's his darkest film. I think it was very innovative. It's just top notch to me. There's there's no argument to me. It, it's my favorite of the of the three in the the original uh, Dead trilogy. So,
1: yeah,
3: right on, uh, Paul.
1: Oh hi, I'm here. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, I would agree with a lot of what he said. Uh, it's really cool to actually see little bits and bits from night, dawn, and day in here too, with the people, the actors. John Ample mm-hmm. is in here. Uh, uh, Lori Cardell, of course, you know the daughter of Chili Billy that was in the first Night of Living Dead. You know, on the roads right. has his little road, uh, little play. I still believe it's the same people. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. <laughs> I like, I like
2: that conspiracy theory. Yeah.
1: Is, yep. that is yep. true. It is. His. Uh, I I wouldn't even be surprised if he stole the outfit, and you know, and he's not really. He's like you know, the ravenous thing. He's not actually really who he says he is, but you know, I believe it. Uh, it is definitely a dark film. It, I actually wanted it to be released later, because I wish hmm. it was released in nineteen eighty-eight. That way, you could do the full ten years per, per film. Oh yeah, I'm that I... kind of a dickhead. I like that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a good film. It definitely set like he said. It set the benchmark of what you know the, what happens here, the way they look. The Walking Dead is a parody of this film, basically. Um Nicotero, of course, had a heavy influence on this film, and he's bringing oh, it to yeah. everything else he does. Uh, it's not it's my least favorite of the three, and uh, it's it's okay. All right, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: Daniel. Uh, I'm actually gonna do something astonishing that no one who is a fan of this podcast uh, will believe but I'm going to agree with Paul uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I agree this is the uh, this is probably the least of the three um, I last saw this probably about ten years ago um I've seen this one you know two or three times and then watched it this afternoon um I liked it a lot better than when I saw it before possibly because I had like lower expectations for it you know what I always come to for Romero is less uh, you know kind of the you know the zombie horror stuff, and more sort of the the I don't want to say character work, but that sort of like the theme and the ideas and the in the you know the kind of the sociopolitical dynamics that Romero kind of brings to this. And I've always felt like on that level, this definitely felt like a lesser film than either Night or Dawn, being made in the mid '80s. Being you know, there's 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 kind of clear like kind of the Reagan era is upon us, and you know we're mm-hmm. talking about the military industrial complex, although we're not even really doing that. I feel like this film really suffers in a way because it, of like the time and place it was shot and like its budget. I could really imagine kind of a modern remake, really kind of taking advantage of this like tiny group of people within this like cavernous structure with like death and decay all around them. And that's not necessarily that's not like a knock on the film as much as it like it, it's sort of like Romero always made the films he could make. Based on, like, kind of the resources he had, and this one, I think maybe the vision exceeds the uh, like his ability to execute it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily a criticism of the film, it's just like, I really wish. We had gotten a sort of, sort of a bigger version of this that really kind of like, like played with some of these themes a little bit more. Um, that said, I, I really like uh, a lot of the characters here. I kind of like the character dynamics. I like the uh, this kind of idea of this small group of people of these kind of their researchers, and then there are like the military guys, and then there's the uh, kind of the, the, <laughs> the working stiffs who are kind of caught in between these people who really have the better idea about what to do, which is <laughs> we're all fucked. So let's just go to the desert island and you know it's weird that this has both the darkest and happiest ending of any of the uh of the trilogy um in a weird way but uh yeah I, I think there's some really interesting stuff in here i don't know i'm kind of agnostic on the smart zombie thing like i don't know that it i don't really like it but i think it kind of works here and so maybe that's that's kind of where my my, my logic lies um but yeah overall i think it's a very good film it's definitely worth our 200th episode it's definitely not my favorite Romero, but uh, you know, that's that's a really high bar to clear, right? So
2: For me, I would probably rank this number two after after Dawn. Um and I know Paul's gonna shit on that. Uh. <laughs> you know.
1: I get it. I get it. Yeah. You know, we'll fight later.
2: Uh, it's alright. Um it's okay. but I I I just I do really love the, you know, the sort of pinnacle of technical achievement here as far as like the zombies and stuff go like I, I think like right here it really does set the bar just like Paul and Ricky said I haven't seen zombies that have looked better than what I saw in this film as, as far as I'm concerned even even if some of them are still cheap like some of them are still like the extras in the background with the cheap masks and the in the gray paint on their face or whatever yep. there's there's still more of an advance in just makeup technology here and the gore effects here are extremely good like this is almost a splatter movie except for there's no real splatter happening on it's happening it's just more guts falling out of stomachs and people being ripped apart and shit like that I think the biggest problem with this film is that it doesn't really touch a lot of new ground for Romero like it's got all of his sort of same stuff he always sort of does in these films like he you know small group of humans at at the end of the rope uh there there's the conflicts in the group there's a microcosm of society um you know there's sexism racism macho bullshit civilians versus military authority distrust of science those sort of things are in here and they're in the previous two movies to a certain degrees but i don't think he necessarily makes any new Big points in this one that he didn't already make in the first two films which is it it makes it a little harder to sit through the first half of the film where basically it's just people talking for the most part like it it takes a long time to sort of get to the money shots in in this film um that being said i think the talking and stuff in this is like the actors they have here are the strongest that Mm -hmm. he has ever assembled for one of these films
1: well, it is definitely that, acting forward as far as like dialogue. It's a very
3: dialogue-heavy oh, film. Oh,
2: it's the, it's the fucking scene-chewing Olympics in this film, is what it
3: is. And that may be why I was drawn to it so much too, because it, like you said, it's just I mean, they're they're going full tilt here, versus you know what we saw before. Not to mention the strength of our leading lady, which really we hadn't seen before. I mean, she's strong from the get-go all the way through. And yeah. I think that's kind of a game changer too. And going back to what he was saying earlier about the smart zombie thing, this is kind of where it stops for me. All the all the movies that followed this to me mm-hmm. were kind of a slap in the face. And uh, you know, how smart can they get? They're gonna start using telekinesis and talking to each other with their minds and start, you know, telling each other what to do. It's just kind of ridiculous. But you run out of ideas, I guess. Um this budget was supposed to be doubled. And it yep. wasn't because it didn't get rated. So mm-hmm. you pump another, you know, four or five thousand, or four or five thousand, four or five million into this, like it was supposed to be. You were gonna have basically the ideas that are uh, Land of the Dead That's was always the
1: confused me because like is gonna get rated at some point in time. So why would you push for no rating and lose half your budget?
3: Uh, because it's Romero and because he knows. It's Romero. That, there you go. Yeah, because people expect a certain level of. Not just movie making, I don't know that people really wanted a big budget Romero film when they got it. Look what happened, everybody just kind of went, eh, you know. Uh, yeah. there's something to these, basically, knowing that this guy kind of set his own rules and did what he wanted to do, kind of gave you that freedom to say, Okay, let's see what happens, and that's why you get like the original The Crazies and stuff like that. That you know, if. It, it, we can remake these things to death, but you're going to lose that initial rawness that they had, and that's kind of what I feel like is in this. I thought the remake of of, of Donald the Dead was really good. The remake of David was trash. But, <laughs> we'll uh, get into that. <laughs> but I think you guys are, you know, this is a it's it's one of those movies. It, it's kind of a split, and I think it is because of when it came out at the same time with Return of the Living Dead coming out. All these things are factors, but there's something about just the darkness of this and the attacks of the people and the acting, like you guys were saying. It really carries it to another level as far as a Romero film. Has anyone um, ever
1: wanted to actually do this the right way and remake this with actually you know, actors and budget? I don't know.
3: Yeah. Because uh, yeah.
1: that, that one they released earlier was horrible, the Day of the Dead the remake. It was really bad, yeah. but I would love yeah. to see Jeffrey Combs as Dr. Frankenstein.
3: To me, you see it. I mean, to me, there's no way that Herbert West wasn't modeled some way, form or fashion, after seeing this movie and saying, uh, going and saying, "Yeah, I need you to act like that guy."
2: <laughs> you guys touched on how dark this one is. This definitely is probably, I would say, Romero's most sort of like nihilistic film because, yeah. I mean, these are people like there's no there's no like character arc of like, oh, these people sort of transition over into being, like, at the end of their ropes and stressed out and, and going crazy. Like, they're crazy almost from the get-go. It's kind of like Jack Nicholson yeah. in The Shining, right? Like, they're they're already right at the end of
4: what they can take. Like, uh... Um, they, they start with, like, you know, in t- incredibly high-stress PTSD. Everyone is, like, falling apart. And then we see the movie happen. So, right. you know. yeah.
2: And, like, Laurie... She's the one. She's the one who you know holds on the longest outside of our two uh, blue collar schlubs. She's the one who's keeping it together. She's the strong one. She's the one who's like determined to to get through this. But like her boyfriend Miguel is just he's he's a pile of just trembling nerves, and all all the uh, all the soldiers like this must have been like. Like they do mention in the film that this team was put together like within like a month or something like that, and you can tell like these soldiers, they're not the pick of the litter. Like they're right. they're they're all, they're already like National Guard Reserve.
1: That I think it's it's basically all the litter that's left to be picked from. That's mm. the problem.
2: Yeah, like you get the feeling that the the major that they talk about who is dead before the film starts. Okay. Um, and and Rhodes are probably the only like actual professional military men. And
4: the rest of them are all just like right good out
1: of the... or, or grunts. Yeah. yeah.
4: Well, the major is such a good soldier. He's even obeying orders after he's dead, so yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it,
2: it is it is such a, a dark film and such a like it's just there's no hope at all. Like I love how it om- like, it connects to Dawn of the Dead in the way that uh, like, all these, all these movies, they're not necessarily uh, sort of uh, linear sequels. Like, they're not necessarily, oh, this is what happens five years after Dawn or whatever, right? This is more of a spiritual sequel in, in sort of a way. Like, if, if you want to go deep into fan-nerdom and, like, try to tie all these movies together, you definitely can. But I just love, like, it, it starts off with our, our main character in the helicopter and, like, Dawn ended with our main female character in the helicopter you know flying away and yeah. here we're flying into the shit and
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah i, I look like at to this... think
4: that like oh, night sorry. and dawn oh i'm sorry yeah i just to think that night and dawn kind of exists almost contemporaneously with one another and this one is like you know some months later like, like sometime yeah. like after like the complete collapse but uh, yeah, yeah sorry ricky go ahead Oh, I, like I
3: I think you you we're thinking the same thing because to me I feel like it's more like a year maybe a year and a half after the apocalypse and people are just grouping together and finding out you know how to how to react to this thing much like stuff that's going on right now right yeah. we really don't have a clue but let's just do a bunch of weird tests and just see what happens right hey i I found out if you if you eat tie Pods, it clears you know covid <laughs> so there you go it, it, it uh, does too yeah man, man if that was the thing
4: <laughs> you know there's actually research that like nicotine might actually like defend against so, like it has an enzymatic action that like yeah, defends I mean, against uh you it's, know it's a uh cancer and yeah, apparently and that's, that's like real research that isn't like some bullshit off of like a stupid blog post right. like it's like jesus christ so like smokers are like you know somewhat not immune, but like less, uh, you know, like that's the just that kind of like the world is just fucking with us, like the universe yeah. is fucking with us. Well, I mean, I always
1: say hookers and the, hookers and blow is the answer to everything. So.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Yet again,
2: Keith Richards is going to outlive us all. No <laughs> what, right?
3: What's funny is on the last episode of Hell Ming, we had a, a buddy to do a commercial. and It was called Keith, and it was Keith's uh, hand sanitizer. So <laughs> it was made out of his own blood. You know, Keith Richards' blood is your hand sanitizer.
1: <laughs> I always liked it in uh, Dawn when you're watching Dawn of the Dead, and they're flying over John um, a little bit out out the Johnstown area and you can see the people having the party down there, and they're walking through the fields uh, (laughs) killing the zombies. I always think, like, in Dawn, that's like a homage. You're driving over the end of night. It's not over yet. You know what I mean? That kind of concept. about
2: that, our our Dawn episode. And, I mean, that that makes sense to think, you know, like, uh, basically, night and Dawn sort of happen within the sort of same time period, because that's just, Mm -hmm. you know, like, the sort of end game of, Night of the Living Dead is, is shown in Dawn there like that's the last sort of bastion of you know the rednecks cleaning up the zombies before shit really hits the fan kind of
3: thing but look at yeah. how far it's gone to where now the experiments are put on actual you know military people so it's, that's how far down the chain we've gotten now to where well it's only a lot of people we got left let's you know inject them but just don't see what happens so I mean it's I, I think that's the, the, the thing that always stood out to me is like well we're down to just what we're surrounded with, so and that creates that that you know the, the tension between Rhodes and, and Dr. Frankenstein, right?
1: I like Frankenstein too because I always felt like he was like actually a realist. He's a rational realist, even though everybody yeah. says he's crazy. But the way he acts and talks, it's like no, he's right. You just don't want to accept the fact he's right.
3: He's only one that's focused. That. He's not letting his emotions control anything he's doing. He is looking for a cure. Mm-hmm. Or coexist. Well, he's, he's he's doing that, but he's
4: also like, you know, I'm looking for this thing that, like, if we had like a million people to do, you know, like, he, he's not looking at sort of the amount of resources he has. He's sort of just kind of like lost in his little mad scientist world and like okay. completely, um, you know, that, that his like scientific um, focus, which I agree with, is not like tempered by, you know, kind of a, uh, a knowledge. Or, uh, a, a, a sort of like an empathy for the people around him, and uh, you know, that is uh, pretty realistic is what I think we would see with this guy. I think uh, Frankenstein, I think uh, uh, Richard Liberty is my uh, uh, the best performance of the film. Um, as much yes. as I do like uh, Laurie Cardille, um, uh, I think Richard Liberty is, is phenomenal. Well, uh,
2: when he, he when he walks into like one of the initial shouting matches might have been the first one, as yeah, far as I that, remember. Yeah, in
4: that little conference room, you know? <laughs> Yeah, little, he, like, he he I like to think of that as the Reno nine one one scene, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like like he like they're all shouting at each other and shit, you know. And uh, Rhodes is just going off off the fucking hook, and he he just walks in late, and he's like, "You're late, Frankenstein." Yes, I know. I, I couldn't be taken away from my work. Is there food? And he repeats it, like, several times. Is there food? Is, is there, there something food? to eat? And then, you know, and then Plato finally just snaps, I'm running this monkey farm now, Frankenstein, and I want to know what the fuck you're doing with my time. And Plato's still like, dude, I need food. Like, what, what's going on?
4: <laughs> it, it, does, it does make you wonder, like, who is actually, like, making the food and cleaning the, uh, you, know, you know, it is one of those, like, there are people unseen even here, even though we're it's supposedly told there are only like so many people left or whatever. Well, but, yeah,
1: he's, he's, got like, of, he's got a bunch of buds cooking and cleaning back there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, I, I figured it was, you know, there's like, uh, it's established after the, uh, the major died, uh, off screen that there's 13 people left in this place. And so I'm thinking, I'm thinking there's not even cooks. They're like, they're just, picking from MREs or whatever, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Or they've got like a bunch water. of canned food they're just like throwing in a, you know, microwave or whatever. Yeah, well, in they, 85 they would throw it on a stove,
1: but I ate, I ate spam out of a can today while I was watching a, a movie. So, it happens. Eh,
2: they're they're at the point now where none of these people like each other at all. Like they're not talking to each other. They're all in their little groups. And like so none of these people are like willing to be chefs or cooks for the other person. Like that that was yeah. long gone after before this even started. So like it's not like John Amplis is cooking every, everyone a fucking great meal for their conferences or whatever, you know. Like
1: well, you I really love sandwiches? the two I'm
4: oh, sorry, Paul, go
1: ahead. I got the idea yeah, just be John like hey I got finger sandwiches, guys, get in there before they get foggy yeah.
4: <laughs> Yeah, I really love our our two, uh, you know, the the radio operator and the uh, helicopter guy who, uh, you know, just uh, you know yeah. kind of hanging out. They have their own like little spot. Like, no, we're not a part of your thing. We're the hired help. And mm-hmm. then they've got like a really nice setup there. They've got alcohol. They've got like a nice little trailer. They've got like a little like a little area where they can sit and drink. Like, um, yeah, they're
1: they're, you know. they're basically Hawkeye and Trapper. Yeah,
4: yeah. no, they're, they're just. They're just chilling. I was <laughs> you know, like, why aren't you helping us? It's like, well, we don't actually agree with what you're doing because what you're doing is deeply stupid. We should all just like, go find a desert island and like restart society. And right. which, like, you're the one woman left that we know exists in the world. That's why like, you need to go have, like, 20 kids. Yeah, I guess <laughs> he's getting what's...
1: pumped tonight. It yeah. just pumped the, night.
2: the character John's like, come on, let's get out of here and, and let's let's." Find an island and start making babies. And it's like he, he sort of he sort of hints like we'll find some more people to make babies, but really what he's saying is like we got a three way going on here. You, me, and yeah. the drunk Irish dude. We're gonna we're gonna whatever fuck.
1: hole goes in is a good hole. The show yeah, take it. Yeah, but yeah, no, I I, I like
2: those characters. I, I also love uh, you know the the drunken. The, this is the guy I identify with the most, the drunken yeah. pragmatic Irish McDermott who is just <laughs> he's just fucking like. Uh, at the beginning of the film they're in the helicopter like, and she's like we need to go we need to sit down and he's like that's not in my contract like your contract means
4: shit at this point you know <laughs> my union rep will not allow that to happen
1: man yeah. <laughs> I just have a hard time uh, I don't really like anybody in this stuff,
0: really you know what I mean
1: yeah I really don't like any. I mean I like their acting I mean don't get me wrong there. But, like, yeah, I really don't associate myself. I mean, if I had to associate myself with anybody at all, it'd be Bud. <laughs> but other than that, I really don't give a fuck about anybody in this film. And, you know, 50% of why I don't like this film is Miguel. 50% of it is just, I just want to fucking club him to death every time I see him. This self-absorbed, whiny fucking asshole. And, of course, the strong woman role Falls for this fucking prick and just won't they won't throw him in the trash bag because obviously he's used goods but won't get rid of him because she's she's fucking stupid, so she's stupid. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. There's so so much about this film that just gets me so fucking wired up. I don't like it. But, well, you know, I mean, that's, just me.
2: that's that's the thing. This movie doesn't give us the backstory between them two. Like it it doesn't give you any hint as why to why she'd be necessarily attracted to this guy at all because you don't you're not presented with him as. As he was before, he got stressed out and became a nervous yeah. wreck.
1: Why don't women just go for cynical Irishmen? We'll be, be all good. It'll be Good, just fly off the sunset. Come on, Make well, some this weird movie. Babies and beat them.
2: This movie hints at uh, there's there's brief moments like they, they don't do enough. They don't have enough time to really like flesh this stuff out. But there's like a couple brief moments where she's it looks like yeah she's getting along with the John character, the pilot. She's getting along with McDermott, and she's getting along with John uh scientist character Fisher. Where it's like you're thinking, yeah, these these people could fuck like they could be, they yeah. could be hooking up Let's soon. Get
4: it we're gonna have we're gonna have the greatest polycule of the zombie apocalypse. Ultimately, <laughs> there you go. You were gonna say something, Ricky?
3: I, I think you guys kind of covered it. I, I think that's part of again what makes this such a strange movie. That eventually drew me in is the fact of you don't really associate with anybody in this, but if you were in this kind of situation, you're no longer who you were, you know. And I think that's really what it's showing. And like you said, the backstory of of Miguel, maybe there was a time where he was a stronger individual. Who knows? But you're you're seeing people crack at the seams, and they're all crashing at the same time. I don't know, man. I, to me, that's always been a strong point of this film. I. I it's kind of like the jaw scenario to me. You can kind of take the zombie part out of it or the shark part of it, and I'm still intrigued by what's going on with these people because they're just they're at each other and the danger of human
1: nature in a trapped right. area.
3: Right. And you know, being being confined like that's going to bring out the worst in people. And I mean, and, half
1: the people in the film didn't die because of zombies.
3: Right. 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 Well, I mean, that's
2: usually the case in all these films. It's like usually the the pe- yeah. it's the people who are the, Wait, are the right. Yeah. The um, do do you guys feel like maybe it was not handled handled well, but that Miguel is kind of a he's kind of a comment on religion in the zombie apocalypse because he's got the Catholic like stuff going on, right? Like he's mm-hmm. got the yeah he's got the religious uh necklaces, whatever they are around him like he doesn't have the rosary beads, but he's got like whatever the hell else. like they're what are they saint whatever medals or whatever the fuck around
1: his neck Great bocce balls. <laughs> but, I think
4: that I think that might just be a slight uh you know George Romero found someone who is uh vaguely hispanic looking and made him super Catholic. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know if there's any any really more going on there like I really give Romero a lot of slack on this sort of thing, but um, you know his racial politics. While I think his heart's in the right place, I'm not sure he's like completely woke on this. Like, let's
1: uh, my, my, uh, I found out that my uh, that where uh, Tom Salvini is, uh, he grew up, and where his art studio is, and where like John Russo's film school is. It's all in my. It's all in Manesson, So it's all in my dad's hometown where he grew up. In, uh, in outside of Pittsburgh. And they're all Catholic there. Like the whole goddamn place is Catholic. So maybe it was just a pullover from where George, you know, outside of Pittsburgh, where he grew up, too, it just made sense to him. I don't know. Yeah. I think
3: it's, I think it's just a factor of w- with what's going on in this movie, the, the chaos and everything. And for the, for the idea of people that are the ones that are e- existing still having faith in something beyond themselves is, is a statement within itself. Regardless of what it is, mm-hmm. uh, got also you got to remember when, when Steele gets shot, what does he do? He does the Catholic cross as well with the gun. Yeah. So uh, I think it's just that thing of you know, what do we believe, and, and what do you hold on to when there's nothing what, else to what hold on to? At point
1: in time do you crack and right. go to something for help? Right.
3: Because so even – What even,
1: people do anyway with religion is they can't handle what's going on, so they run to something for help.
3: Right. So at what well, point
1: in time – so right before he blows his brains out, he knows he can't do anything can't smart mouth off so he goes does the cross blows his brains out got, it's the yeah.
3: end and you got john as well making the comment of maybe we weren't supposed to be messing with this stuff maybe we were too busy trying to figure out the secrets of the universe instead of just Who living lives. Our yeah <laughs> crazy yeah i mean yeah,
1: arnold, he, arnold came in there for a second and went to the chopper
2: <laughs> <laughs> like yeah john he, he's kind of like a continuation of of peter in 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 Don. Not just because they're both black. Don't no fucking come at me like that, uh, guys. I'm not coming Listen- at you
1: like that. Okay. All right.
2: Now I'm talking about the listeners. Don't don't fucking come at me like that. You don't I'm have saying
1: listeners. What are you talking
2: about? I'm, I'm yeah. Well, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying like uh, you know uh, Peter's like you know my 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 grandfather was a uh, like a voodoo shaman or whatever shit and he said you know about you know once hell is full the dead will walk the earth and stuff like this this kind of a continuation of that sort of like mm-hmm. religious like we fucked up and now here's god's wrath or whatever
1: that kind of right idiot. yeah no com- completely agree like I, like you said we've already touched on basically everything that day has yeah in in certain aspects we've touched on it in night and we've touched on it in dawn and now here it is as a misery ball of cacophony of shit, we call Day of the Dead, and everybody's fucked and nobody likes each other. That's what it is.
2: <laughs> Man, the only other thing I need to like mention that <laughs> distracted my attention every time, and these are some of the best sequences too. Like when when the McDermott and uh, and Laurie they're they're you know they're stuck in the uh, in in the tunnels there. They get trapped in the tunnels by uh, roads. Road. Mm-hmm. And they're fighting the zombies and shit. Uh, every time you're in like the tunnels and stuff, there's a bat that goes by. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's this fucking, it's this hammer level shitty bat that they decided. Like, I, I think even on the commentary, Romero's like, "We shouldn't have done that. Yeah. <laughs> we really shouldn't have done that."
3: Because <laughs> it's like a, it's like the what's a, what's like, a bat doing in a salt mine? Ultimately, well, the weird thing is they said there actually was bats in there to begin yeah, with. Yeah,
1: there was bats in there too. Yeah. Because it's in in Beaver, Pennsylvania, down uh, south, uh, a a little bit west of Pittsburgh. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's what – they had bats and stuff in there. I like the fact that they put – they had to build walls. They had to build areas because they didn't have what they needed. So they had to put fake walls up for everything, and it just seems pretty cool. Uh, Apparently, you can actually tour it,
3: but I'm not sure, but I want to go check it out.
1: And pretty much everybody
3: that worked on the movie all have black lung now because you were breathing in – whatever the dust is and everything down there and you Uh. know (laughs) so it's it was a a bad situation and for three months you know they'd go in there was no sunlight you come out there's no sunlight so yeah these people were miserable well yeah they
2: they slept in there like a lot of them did at least so yeah yeah. so
3: it it really uh, to me it just captures that man i i I, again I, i can see why yeah just keep the camera rolling act like that act over the top because that's kind of the situation is it's it's almost like uh, they just they just point to like the grips and
4: go see what that guy's like doing in real life you need to right. act like you're doing that
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> no. it's kind of like the craziness of the dinner scene on the original texas chainsaw where they've been doing the same scene over and over and finally you know gunner pulled the the tape off the end of the knife and actually split her finger and you know the madness consumed and, yeah. and it's kind of the same thing here you kind of forget wait a minute we're we're shooting a movie here
2: mm, yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, it's good, good fucking stuff. Um, do we have any sort of final thoughts on this one? We want to wrap up. I, with? Uh,
1: what do you think about John Harrison's work as the musical score? I feel it's the weakest of all the scores mm-hmm. um, overall. I do like oh, yeah, the it. A little bit of a gunculator in there. I, I like, I like a lot of it, but it seems very, it seems very '80s to me. I think it's very '80s. Uh, I have John Harrison's autograph. You know, I, I, I like the score but I don't know it doesn't always work for more, me but I know what he was going for I understand what he's going for so what it's, do you think guys it's
2: the weakest um but I think it's the weird the weird thing about this is that like with the previous two Romero films Romero just had this knack for picking library music that worked really well together yeah. and and the library music he picked especially on Dawn meshed with the goblin shit really well yeah,
3: like yeah. It, it, that's that's the ace in the hole he had there was goblin creating goblin, so much yeah. of that stuff I mean, and, I've, yeah. I've been the dawn of the dead soundtrack continuously all the
1: time i'll throw night on now and again because yep. i have all of them all on the special uh vinyl releases and stuff but rarely will i ever put day of the dead on unless i'm doing something day of the dead related
2: yeah the library music just like it it worked better for those two films, and here you have an actual score written for the film, and I like it. Like, don't get me wrong, I do like it. Oh, I,
1: like, I like, it. But it's like, honestly, if I close my eyes, I can't tell I'm watching Day of the Dead by the by the score film. Right. Like, I mean, you could throw that right into Fright Night 2. You could, you could throw that into any mid to late '80s uh, kind of um, horror film. I mean, like at least central horror film or anything like that. You can yep. throw that into a couple different things. I mean, like most of the time when I was actually listening to it, I just thought for some reason, am
3: I listening to a Part Night 2 soundtrack? No, I'm not. Never mind. It's Dawn of the Dead. Or <laughs> Day of the Dead. Well, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I agree with the, the, the music that was coming out at this time. It, it just, it was becoming very, and it's the word, canned.
0: You know, can. everybody was doing
3: this. <laughs> un- un- unless you were Danny Elfman, you weren't really doing anything different, you know? Right, right.
2: What about you, Daniel?
4: Uh, I don't really have thoughts about the score. I, I did want to talk a little bit about the, uh, you know, we are recording this in like mid-April 2020, which who knows what history, like who is listening to podcasts in five years. But, uh, you know, we are in the, the, hopefully the the end of the coronavirus uh, moment, uh, but very likely the beginning um, yeah, it's a complicated thing to kind of like try to predict anyway. Complicated, um, I feel like that these uh films, like, I, I've read like sort of like Twitter threads and like articles from people kind of like talking about uh, you know, kind of zombie movies and how they uh completely fail to kind of predict the way that people respond to these kinds of things. Like, first of all, like uh, zombie films that sort of exist, I mean, not necessarily the Romero zombies, which are just kind of risen from the dead, like, everybody who dies becomes a zombie. Um, but certainly the the kind of like a bite turns you into a zombie uh, right and you turn within like a few hours a zombie and that's actually like a a pandemic that's almost like uh, uh, you know ridiculously easy to contain because uh, it's very easy to know who's infected and you just like isolate them and like until they yeah. die or whatever yeah, they're, they're gonna do right
1: yeah
4: and, and but also like, so much of like kind of what uh, we kind of think of in these in these kinds of films is like people turn to violence, people turn to anger, people turn to um, frustration, and um, the reality is that like you know what what do we actually see in this in this crisis is like you know people sharing ways to make masks online, you know like people making hand sanitizer in like bulk uh, for free. And I have like to deal with out, a lot you know?
1: of uh, people that are angry though because of what I do, and uh, sure. telling people and stuff, and people, I mean, when, especially when you live in the backwoods nowhere like I do, people do not like anyone fucking with their shit, and yeah, fucking sure. the way they do stuff, and there's a lot of frustration, and it is kind of creepy, too, because I'm putting on masks now to do stuff, and I'm like, oh, this is the world we live in, here's the new world order, I don't know, it's just creepy, It just it's a creepy feeling, well, and it feels like you are walking every day, every time you walk open, like, okay, this is a horror movie I'm in now, Oh, this is different. Uh, especially now, my wife and uh, – my ex-wife, rather, my kids are quarantined now for, from exposure, and I haven't seen them for a week and a half. And uh, my aunt and uncle have, have it. You know what I mean? So it's a really creepy world to live in right now.
3: So here's, here's the thing coming out of that because I, I like what you're saying here because, you know well, we're, we're being more friendly. We're helping each other out. Yeah, we are now. But it gets – if you yeah. get to where there's no food… There's no way to get food. Then you get to where, hey, what if we find out that, you know, just because you've had this and you got over it, people start catching it again and again and again. You will see people reacting in in a way that's more of a survival tactic versus right. no, us yeah, being civilized. Down, down. I, I yeah. think
4: I think here's 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 what I'm kind of trying to suggest that the like the idea of like a survival tactic. The idea that uh, you know what you need to do is stock up on guns and uh, shoot your way through the through your problems um, Ooh, that, that gets sold by this sort of like uh, for-profit survivalist uh, you know kind of literature um, is actually uh, not the way that the best way to solve these problems is
3: right. you know right. and
4: that like the you know the the, the people that are going to get through this like if we do get to a like truly desperate situation in which supply lines are cut off in which we are all like it's going to be like the people who help their neighbors and the people who like know how to grow food and the people who can uh you know actually like help people uh yeah. those are going to be the groups that survive and are, like, right,
1: right, you right. When they're talking about a lot of stuff like that though and i can see you know, i know a lot of people who talk like that think like that blah 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 the whole deal but I guess they're in that – like a lot of people in da- Day of the Dead, they are in a self – they might be near other people at the moment, but they're still in a self-absorbed mentality. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, yeah these sure. Guns will he- these guns will help me. Fuck you. I'm not here to right. solve your problems. I'm here to right. live. Well, and I think that's, that's the me.
4: fundamental – that's the fundamental thing is that like yeah, these yeah. people in the film are absolutely – like you've kind of got these like kind of three separate groups. And these kind of stand in like there's the military – And all they know is, like, how to shoot things. You've got the scientists who have, I think, good intentions at heart, but who are ultimately kind of, like, lost in the paperwork. Well, there's Uh, even
2: competition between the science Right, and even,
4: even, like, competition there. And, like, there's a kind of complicated, like, social dynamic. And you've got you kind of working class guys who are just kind of like, look, uh, just run, just just go <laughs> find a place where we can fish and we can eat and we can kind of rebuild yeah. Here's something. Here's my
1: diagram. We yep. have legs. They're here.
3: Use this. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. And, and,
4: exactly. And
3: the other side of that too. Again, why this movie to me is is just it makes a lot of sense is because look at again, kind of where we're at and who do we look at for leadership? We're looking at our governments. And who does the government depend on to enforce the laws? Are they going to use their military? They're going to use the, you know, their weekend warriors, all this stuff. What happens when they lose the control? And I think that's the problem that's very, very dominant in this movie is what happens when the ones in control are no longer in control. What does that mean for the people that are not necessarily there because they want to be? That's just the mm-hmm. way it fell, right? And yeah. that's. Again, that's why I think this thing stands out because you're at a point now where most, even all your militaries are gone. You've got handfuls of people left. And, you know, yeah, your gun is going to be your best friend because you don't trust any of these people because they're just wacky as you are.
1: uh, There's no real, like, structural idea of, like, how it is. We understand it's shit outside. Great. But we don't know how many people are left in their world and stuff like that. We don't know the infrastructure. But the comical thing to me is you're assuming the infrastructure is no longer there. Right. So the idea of these guys acting military is kind of funny because there
3: is no military. There is no military. But yeah. they're staying grouped but together because that's the day, all they know.
1: They're the guy with the gun. Right.
3: So exactly. They still
1: win. It's one yep. of those kind of mentalities.
2: Just sort of capping off that conversation, uh, going back to our real world shit with this coronavirus stuff. Um it's 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 bad. And yeah. it, it, right. it it definitely could get worse. And uh seeing people, you know. Uh, helping other one another is pretty cool, but I just kind of wonder, like, how much of us are going to revert back to dicks once this is all over? You know? Oh no, yeah. it's
1: definitely going to revert back to dicks. That's why uh, I was—I uh, got some slack handed to me because I'm a mouthy fucker. And um, we had a conversation. And I said, "Hey, you know, I've told people for the longest time I, I'm a man of principles." And I said, "98% of this world needs to be killed." Now that we do have a plague going around and people are dying, I can't, I can't flip the script. I gotta stick to what I say, I still don't fucking like you people, and I still want you, I still want most of you to die. How is up to you, but I'm just saying, I still don't like any of you. Like I'm still a dick, I'm still a narcissistic bastard.
2: Well, you know, like I can't necessarily disagree
1: with that. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many people that are like, well, I hope I hope, you know, I hope no one gets hurt or this or this. And I was like, I, you're just saying about how you hated everybody and you wished everybody to die. Why are why you changing your, you your attitude just because the uh, the outside influence has changed? I was like, no, fuck you. I still don't like you. Yeah, it's, it's good. I, I stick to your own, you know, stick to your gun, man. But at the same time, you know, then you know what to expect because you're not going to start being nice now. And then when everything goes, you just go back to being an asshole. You know what I mean? It's kind of like – uh,
2: Kind of like, don't, it's kind of like people who start speaking uh, nicely about real dickheads who've died.
1: Yeah, exactly. No bullshit. I don't like you. I didn't like you then. I don't like you now. I'm glad you're dead. Fuck off. Uh-huh. Exactly how you have to be.
4: Uh, I'm, I'm just like, why hasn't Henry Kissinger gotten this? Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be a silver lining for all of us? Isn't that Henry that weird, Kissinger. Like, do
1: you actually have the? the is he still alive?
4: He's still alive. That <laughs> what fucker. The fuck. Evil, evil pays. You get to is, live is, forever. Is, is he like the more evil you, you are, the the longer you get to live. And he's the proof of that.
2: Is he just like eating fetuses and stuff to survive? <laughs>
4: Very likely. Yeah,
2: he's, like
1: he's in the H.P. Lovecraft novel somewhere.
2: He <laughs> must be. <laughs> yeah. He's the resurrected or some shit.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's depressing. Um,
3: yeah, do, do we have anything else before we jump into trivia here, or? Uh... Yeah. Well, i I just want to say real quick, though. I mean, we just kind of grazed over Savini, but I think this is Savini's best work. Oh
1: yeah, I think absolutely.
3: K and K and B were really just leaps and bounds ahead of what was going on, early day animatronics of what was going on. So uh, again, just just other parts of this that you know make up a reason of why this is maybe not the best of his movies, according to you know a lot of people. Most people like Don the best. But I think it's an important movie because of where we're going as far as the techniques we were going to use. And I
1: think this is where Nick and Tara really got his real true yes. foundation for what he did later.
3: Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, for me, it
2: would be a toss up between this and the Prowler as far as Savini's stuff goes. Prowler
1: is fucking, yeah. Over. When he's pulled the knife out of the guy's head and his eyes roll up, I don't understand it. Yeah. But it's awesome. that's pretty incredible. <laughs> I Prowler
4: love the drill on the guy's forehead. Like, that's probably yeah. like one
2: of the. Well, I mean, I mean, and just that gag of a, of the zombie like leaning up on the table and all this yeah, and guts spilling out.
1: Like, yeah, that yep. stuff's great. Yeah. Oh, and I love the the um, the zombie where you just see his brain. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Guy, and and, and they, they nicknamed him moose Clit. Moose Clit, Yeah, <laughs> <was> very nice. <laughs> That's, uh, I guess his name is Barry, and Barry was a very nice guy. He's like, "Hey, can I be in your sh- your movie?" And I'm like, "He's like, I have the perfect role for you, Moose." <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> uh,
2: also, the uh, the shovel zombie, the one that uh, yes. cuts his head off and it's still alive because you know he yep. he, he just cut the spine, he didn't kill the brain. So right. yeah, yeah. No, no, great, great stuff. Again, like we, we were saying, like this is kind of like the. The pinnacle of like uh, zombie movie making technology,
3: as far as making goes. Till, till nineteen ninety, when Savini did the remake of of uh, Night uh, of Living Dead, I thought those zombies were pretty hot. Yeah,
1: no, they so, were good too.
3: Yeah,
2: some of them are great, but here's the thing: there's also a couple of them that are pretty rubbery. Like, you, like you, maybe you should have did a second take on one of those scenes there, Tom, if you had the money. Right. to do.
1: <laughs> Whole budget.
2: But uh, yeah, so. As we alluded to, the original script for which uh, George Romero couldn't get budget involved the scientists living above ground in a fortress protected by electrified fences and a military living safely underground. It also involved a small army of trained zombies and the conclusion to the trilogy more brutal than the release version. This version became the basis for Land of the Dead from t- 2005. Uh, the budget for George a. Romero's original script was estimated at $7 million. But he would only be given the money if he could film an R-rated film and was told if he went ahead and shot an unrated film with no limits on Gore, the budget would be split in half to 3.5, which is what he did. He said, fuck you. And that's what he did, which is, you know, that that's just, that's that generation, like that last generation of directors that were like editing their own films and shit, you know, from mm-hmm. the 70s, or whatever, you know, like him and Carpenter and those sort of people, you know, they just... Like they were just like fuck you, we're we're not, and they all like dabbled in playing the studio game, and they got burnt for it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so, uh, on the underground facility, uh, it was uh, Wampum Mine, which is a limestone mine near Pittsburgh, uh, and it was used as an underground f- storage facility. It's now operated as the Gateway Commerce Center. Now called it a subsurface storage facility. And uh, I don't know if there's tours in it or not, (laughs) dude. And come visit our new salad bar. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This way to Buffett. And uh, going back to the uh, sort of uh, fan theory here, although it's never confirmed has been rumored by fans that uh, the character Joe uh, Pilato... Uh, played in Dawn of the Dead, 1978, in fact, Rhodes as a cop. Fans believe that Rhodes started as a cop and later joined the army and became a captain. Since no patches of time is given in Dead the Dead films, it's very possible that years lapsed between dawn and day, and that the Rhodes character could have went from being a cop to an army captain. And I like that theory. Yeah. Like, he yeah. he feels like a guy who could have manipulated his way into becoming a captain, even if he didn't earn the rank, you know. Right, well, right, Especially
4: as the as the system collapses, mm-hmm. you know, like that's that's kind of what happens. Is like, oh no, I'm a captain now. Congratulations, <laughs> and, and certainly he's not a he's not a good officer. Like no, yes, he's not. No. he's not but good at his job. Tell,
1: you could tell, like, because you know, most actual officers, you, they, they have to do that whole. I mean, from what I've been told by people that were in the military, like you you got to do like you're raise of raised with money. You get you had to go to like the West Points and stuff. Like you weren't just a slum. Like security cop that becomes the captain, you know what I mean. But at the same time, the pick of the litter when there's no litter to pick from, you get what you get. You know what I mean. And that's I think that's that's one of those ones where he kind of slid into that position, that Weasley fucker that he is, slid right in there. And it's and it's I'm glad I'm glad he wasn't more structured and military as far as like training goes. I love the fact that he's just a complete prick. Yeah. <laughs>
2: even when he's like wounded with the bullets and shit and he's just crawling across the wall he's like <laughs> come on come on he's, he's he's just every ounce of him is a fucking prick and then and then at the end like choke on him choke on him he never gives up like that that's a great villain a villain even though he's defeated he doesn't give up you know um according to uh Larry cardill uh, the first attempt to shoot the beginning dream sequence with the zombie's arms suddenly spring out of the wall and attack her resulted in the f- faux wall and many an acts <laughs> behind it toppling over on her. The wall <laughs> needs to be completely rebuilt this, <laughs> this time, much more stable, of course. Yeah, that's that's fucking great. <laughs> I'm glad she wasn't injured. Right after Logan tells the zombie that it needs to sit in the dark and think about what it did. And punishes it by turning off the light. A little bit of the gonk music from yeah. Dawn of the Dead is yes. heard, which is cool. I wish they'd uh, done a little bit more callbacks to the Dawn of the Dead score. But oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And of course, George George A. Romero has a cameo as a zombie in this, as a zombie pushing a cart in the foreground during the final zombie feast, seen from the waist down and identified by his trademark plaid scarf. Wrapped around his waist.
1: Oh, there you go. Uh,
2: remakes. Oh boy, uh, oh, Day boy. of the Dead for which is shit. Um, it's got zombies that are, you know, of the trend of the time. Fast zombies. I'm not necessarily against fast zombies, but these ones crawl up walls. Right. Uh, yeah. So they oh, yeah. became spider zombies. Spider zombies. Yeah. Uh, there is also an unofficial prequel, "Day of the Dead," two "Contagion" from two thousand five, <laughs> yeah. and that's that's a. F- I can't believe I watched that film. That's a fucking "Day of the piece Dead, of sh- uh,
1: "Contagion." I think it was. It was. The, I think yeah. it was that one. Someone actually the- took one of my uh, songs from my band Funeral Dust and made a music video out of it. Did they? Yes. Oh. I don't know if it's still on YouTube, but it was. And I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. I think so they, they r- probably got taken down because copyright bullshit.
2: So they ripped you off and they ripped Joe Romero off that's at the great. same
1: time. Can't, can't
2: because I, mean, I guess the Day of the Dead name went into like, like it was cheap to buy, apparently, because I, I don't think it was the same thing as Night of the Living Dead where it fell out of like copyright or whatever. Like, I just yeah. think it, like they made that fucking movie and it's a piece of shit. It's absolute hot garbage. Uh, but then also, a Day of the Dead Bloodline from 2017, which is also hot garbage. It's Me Too yep. Zombie the Movie, which is because uh, there's this rapey zombie in it that uh, oh, stalks, yeah. stalks the lead a female <laughs> character. He, he starts out as a creeper in real life and then he dies and then he comes back as a zombie. He's Bub in this, but he's Bub who's a rapist wow. which That's is, like
1: that, that would be like City of the Living Dead. He comes back and keeps touching little boys be pretty bad,
2: <laughs> but yeah, uh, the less said about these remakes and prequels and whatever the fuck bullshit, the better because they're yeah. absolute fucking. It would trash. be nice
1: if someone like did a proper one though at some point in time.
2: Yeah, like there's so many great ideas in this film that could be expanded and done well, as you know. Like, and I'm not saying it wasn't done well in this film, but I mean Romero had his limitations with the budget, and that's the
3: thing, right? Still waiting for a Knight Riders remake. <laughs> oh
2: yeah. Only if you cast Ed Harris in it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and Tom he, I, I wonder court. if
1: he's one of those. If, you know, the, everyone, every uh, actor has one or two movies he wasn't the happiest to be in. I wonder what he feels about Knight Riders. I don't know. I don't. I don't know but, if he's about it. Like
2: he
3: was in Knight Riders. He was in Creep Show. Right. I was about to say, his performance in Knight Riders is way better than his dancing in Creepshow. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, But yeah, uh, Ricky Morgan, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on, sir. Uh, Five years in the making, but uh, finally great to
4: have you on. Uh, Please You were invited back. You were invited back in five years.
3: Oh, thanks, man. Five Five years. years. I'll make it on episode 300. How about that?
4: Yeah, no, it's, it's a done deal but uh, <laughs> when we do Land of the Dead that will be the next one <laughs> yeah,
3: I'm going to have to skip on that one guys
4: <laughs> actually in
2: a private talking uh, me and Daniel was like yeah we should probably just not do that <laughs> We two
3: yeah. even... I, I, I review fond- shit sandwich <laughs>
4: I do have a fondness for Land of the Dead but uh, I understand I'm probably in the minority on this one but uh, yeah
3: yeah, I tried, man. I sit in the theater, going, "This is gonna be good. It's gonna be." Oh, that looked pretty good. That, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh But, but Ricky, please plug your uh Cornucopia oh my. podcast, sir. <laughs> uh,
3: well, I, I'm trying to 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 narrow it back down, narrow down the scope, and get to the meat and potatoes. My my flagship will always be the Helming Power Hour. And no, folks, if you look it up, it's not going to be about everything about flash gordon it's just a a setting but we review just movies from the 70s 80s 90s that kind of deal um but the thing is is pretty much everything about it is fake except for our love of the movies but the synopsis is fake the (laughs) the ratings are bogus uh i don't even know how to describe this thing we're we're just two guys that want to make it an entertaining show I think we decided early on that people really don't care how smart we are about movies. They just want to be entertained. So uh, we do fake product placements. Uh, If you go back and listen to like the one-year anniversary show, you might even get to hear a little Lee Russell singing some uh, Randy Newman. Just saying, it's out there. (laughs) It happens. It happens. And um, so, Hail Ming is just fun. Uh, Short Bus Cinema is me and my brother Johnny Krug. Uh, and we're doing a show where we're looking for the worst movie ever made, and that movie is a or that show is a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. And Lee's been our guest on there a couple of times and brought some doozies to us. Yeah, and, I, got uh,
1: some, I got some good ones for you.
3: Yeah, uh, we just finished Miami Connection this week, so uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's a lot of fun. We are all orphans.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: dragon sound, uh, yeah, dragon sound. And uh, so we got um, House of Wax, which is kind of my horror show that I'm kind of bowing out of. I'm going to hand that off to a, a new guy named Levi Garrett. Yes, that's his real name. Uh, <laughs> so he's going to be taking that. So, I, again, I'm getting back down to basics. Oh, I do have a new show called uh, uh, you, you Know What's Cool, or You Know What's Awesome. I'm sorry. It's still new it's in my head. Uh, you know what's awesome all these are on legion podcasts and that is with a guy named Billy Stewart from a podcast called scary dad which is a great podcast as well and uh, so yeah if you get bored check them all out we're pretty much everywhere you listen to pods uh, yeah that's that's all yeah. I'm going to talk about that
2: yeah we'll, well we'll link them all in the show notes uh, again Ricky uh, absolute pleasure to have you on thank you very much sir uh,
3: milestone for me man I mean so now if I get you know if I end up Getting the the health issue here, then you know my life's kind of complete. <laughs> oh, oh, hey, all right. Uh,
2: Paul, what's what the fuck's been going on with you? Uh, you still doing Maniacs Meat? What the fuck's going on?
1: Yeah, we are uh, still doing Maniacs Meat podcast. Uh, both of the guys that I uh, I I do it with are under quarantine for exposure, so. Uh, probably won't be doing any in April, but in in, in uh, May we're gonna fire it back up. We got to do our 50th uh, John Russo podcast, so that's coming up. Plus other shit too. Maniacs Meat podcast on YouTube on the PA Brew News page, and then Maniacs Meat podcast on Instagram. Oil paintings by P. Romalee, Facebook, Instagram, and of course the PA Brew News bullcrap. I started another Instagram page called VHS Morgue on uh, Instagram, and it's doing pretty good, so I'm just taking pictures of my VHS collection, that's all.
2: Yeah, cool shit. Uh, Daniel, where can people find you on the interwebs?
4: I'm on Twitter at Daniel Lee Harper. I'm mostly um, angry about uh, Bernie Sanders lately, Um, and uh, I do another podcast, uh, which, uh, again, I say this every time. Uh, I assume if you've been listening to this long enough, then you know that I do another podcast in which I Uh, research obsessively and then talk about nazis and sometimes they get uh into my twitter mentions and call me fat and think that i care um (laughs) yeah that's called i don't speak german Uh, i don't speak german.libs.com uh check it out if you want to be depressed for the rest of the day um although we do tell jokes so there you
2: go yeah before we get into the last little bit what do we want to do next we're we're staying in the 80s we've we've time traveled to the 80s so We're going to do at least, like, a month or so you know, of I, work I for I
4: figure we'll do two weeks of 80s and then two weeks of 90s and then move back to the, you know, the 20s. I feel okay. like
2: that's the best option. That um, works for me. Um, you know,
4: just to give us a little bit of a breather from the silence and immediate post-silence, and uh, we can kind of talk about what we want to do off-air because I, I know we've got some stuff to do. Uh, my thought was, like, we've just hardly than anything from the 80s and 90s, like we've we've done a whole lot from the 60s and 70s, and so like it's it's worth like, yeah, this is a nice little era to just kind of like play around in for a little bit.
2: My thought uh, was let's do Southern Comfort from Walter Hill from 1981.
1: Yeah, I have that on VHS. Let's do that. Yeah, next. sure. I, I, I've
4: not I've never seen it, so it'll be new to me. But that's
3: great. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I
1: mean,
2: if, I mean, if you want to come back for that, Ricky, you're more than welcome. <laughs>
3: I was gonna suggest modern problems, but hey, that's just me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean that that could be what we put on there too. Sure, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sky's the limit. It's the nineteen eighties. Everyone's Southern
3: Southern comfort, man. That's Uh, yeah, you you hit you hitting it there, man.
2: Yeah, we and I mean there's still some slasher films we could dive into too. Yeah. The the sky's the limit for the 1980s we'll see what happens uh but until then you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com where you can find our apple podcast facebook and youtube links join the facebook group best way to find out what the fuck is actually going on with us and you can of course interact with us and uh leave comments suggestions for stuff to review all that good stuff um but until then yeah guys we did 200 fucking episodes uh I'm I'm
4: quitting. I'm done. This <laughs> you, is over. You're, you're fired. By the way, that's that's, <laughs> that's that's what that is. I've been the one holding you back for the last two two hundred
2: episodes and I haven't seen a fucking dime yet.
1: Get some of bigger tips.
2: Yeah. God damn it. Uh, yeah, but no. Um, here's to two hundred more, gentlemen. It's it's always a pleasure to talk with you guys. And uh, it's always a pleasure to have you people out there listening to us. Thank you very much. And we will see you again when we see you. Goodbye.
3: Bye-bye. Cheers.
1: Goodbye.
2: Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Site. For further episodes, our Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and YouTube links, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you, drive through.